last time that you were hungry? I mean, really hungry. Now, somebody said, well, I was kind of hungry when I got up from bed this morning. Before I got my breakfast, I was kind of hungry. I'm not talking about that kind of hunger. Uh, you know, we don't get hungry. We were seriously hungry. We're not hungry a lot, especially this time of year when there's so many gatherings and so many special foods being prepared. Uh, I, I tell you, sometimes after one of those big get-togethers with family and friends, you're like, man, I won't have to eat again for a week. But you know, you always eat again. <laughs> Probably that same day, certainly the next day. We we have plenty of food, plenty of... When you think about being hungry, I, I want you to think about that a minute. When was the last time you were really thirsty? I mean really thirsty. I'm not talking about just getting a sip of water to, to quench your thirst. I'm talking about seriously thirsty. When was the last time you were really thirsty? I want, to th- I want you to think about being really hungry and really thirsty. And we're going to build our lesson upon that this morning. These questions will hopefully get you thinking along the lines that we want to investigate in our study. Before we get further into that study, though, we stop for a minute to add words of welcome to those already extended. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate you very much. Uh, we look forward to these times when we can gather together to worship God. Of course, our primary objective in all things is to glorify Him, and we hope He will be glorified by our worship this morning. But we also have in mind uh, the importance of encouraging and edifying one another, and we pray we can accomplish that as well. Thank you for being here to be a part of that, to join in that encouragement of one another. We, we're glad that you're here, and we're especially glad for our visitors who are with us today. Come back every time you have a chance. What about being hungry and thirsty? That's the question that we're asking. Uh, are you hungry? Are you really hungry? Someone might say, yeah, I'm pretty hungry, and I hope the preacher doesn't preach too long this morning so we can get out of here and get to the restaurant. You know, uh, I hope we can get there before some of the other groups let out because the restaurants get crowded on Sunday about noontime, and if the preacher doesn't preach too long, maybe we can beat the crowd to the restaurant I'm not talking about that kind of hunger. That's What we're talking about is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're going to continue this morning our study of the Beatitudes that we've been engaged in for the last few weeks. We want to talk again about one of these statements Jesus made as the Sermon on the Mount was just beginning. I want you to remember that these Beatitudes are statements that Jesus made as as sort of the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, likely the most famous sermon ever preached in the history of time, the Sermon on the Mount. And these are the introductory statements. We call them the Beatitudes because they come from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. And every one of these statements starts out, with the expression, blessed are, and then goes on to describe an attribute or a characteristic that provides blessings to people. Let me read you this verse, this verse 6, from the Amplified Version, which is not really a translation, it's almost a commentary sort of a a, 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 a version. But the Amplified Version says, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And really, that's the idea of blessed here. Uh, to be fortunate, to be happy, to be spiritually well-favored. That's the idea of blessed. And you'll receive that kind of blessedness if you hunger and thirst after righteousness. All right, so as we, as we look to that statement, I want to stress that the words hunger and thirst here that Jesus chose to use 
denote extreme hunger and thirst. Uh, really, the people back in that time could have related quite easily with the notion of hunger, much more so than we can. As I said, we, we have lots to eat. We've, we often eat too much. There's an abundance of food. We live in a very prosperous time. But back in those days, when Jesus spoke of hunger, people could have related to that. The average person back in that time made a penny a day. Newer versions, instead of saying penny, we'll call that more accurately a denarius. And so you worked for one denarius a day, one penny a day. And you know what you could do with that? You could buy food for one day. And so they're basically living day by day. You, you hopefully made enough today to be able to buy your food for tomorrow. That's the way they lived. Now, we are far, far removed from that, but that's how they lived. And that being the case, uh, they were just really just one step ahead of real hunger. They knew what hunger was. They knew about that in a way that we never have known. Uh, it's not, when, when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger, he wasn't talking about, I'm kind of hungry and I'm going to, I'm going to go to the kitchen and get, get a little snack to satisfy my hunger. I just, a, a light snack will probably uh, be enough. No, that's not the kind of hunger he's talking about here. And, and when he talked about being thirsty, he wasn't talking about just getting a sip of water and being satisfied. He was talking about a deep craving, a deep need, an urgent need for food and water. That's the hunger and thirst. The psalmist put it well in Psalm 63, verse 1, when he said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Notice, that's the kind of thirsting, as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, like in a desert. In a desert, you're thirsty with the danger of dying of thirst. And that's the kind of expression that Jesus used when he talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. This statement doesn't say, I want a piece of bread. This statement says, I want the whole loaf of bread. This statement doesn't say, I need just a drink of water. This is, I want the whole pitcher of water. That's the intensity of this, and that's the kind of craving that was in mind when Jesus made that statement. So, to hunger and thirst, for what? Well, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is one of those church words, right? Righteousness is a word that we use relative to religious things, but we almost never use it in other kinds of conversation. And so for that reason, I think some people have the notion that righteousness is sort of a mystical concept, a sort of a, a vague notion about righteousness. Uh, that is not the case. Uh, righteousness is pretty easy to understand. Righteousness is just basically a right standing before God. Thayer says, quote, the state, the righteousness is, quote, the state of one who is such as he ought to be the condition acceptable to God. So to be righteous it means to be right with God. Okay? And again, that's not too difficult for us to understand. Now, know that you get in a right relationship with God not by coming up with your own scheme or your own plan or following your own devices. In Romans chapter 10 at verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We'll stop right there. That they might be saved 
the clear implication they're not saved, right? Yeah, I want them to be saved. They're not saved. What does he say? But I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Uh, according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Notice he talks about God's righteousness. He mentions that a couple of times. But he says the problem with these Jews is they've gone about to establish their own righteousness. They've tried to come up with their own plan, their own scheme, their own methods for attaining to righteousness. Righteousness is to be right with God. But they've just gone about that in their own way. There is a righteousness of God which comes from following His rules. These folks are following their own rules. You don't get righteous that way. That's what Paul was saying. Earlier in Romans in chapter 1, verse 16, beginning, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is what? the righteousness of God revealed uh, from faith to faith, faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Notice, it's the gospel of Christ. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. And so Paul says that being righteous comes from following his plan as revealed in the gospel of Christ. Now, so we don't do it in our own way. We've got to do it God's way. But that also suggests we've got to be active in this. There's, there's things we must do. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. Notice, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. To be righteous, there are things to do. To be righteous, there's action to, 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 to have to take place, right? You don't get righteous just by some kind of mental process. There's activity. There's action required. In James chapter 2, beginning verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called the Son of God. Abraham was righteous. Right? But did you notice in the very context of that? Works. Works. Uh, so, and there's another place there. I didn't say <laughs> I'm skipping over it. By, oh, there's works again. Works, works, and works. Abraham worked, right? Abraham believed God, but what did his believing in God prompt him to do? Works of obedience. That's how we get right with God. We believe and we obey. We take that action that is required. In Acts chapter 10, verse 35, Peter said to Cornelius, In every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And so righteousness is the state of being right with God. Of course, that's very important. But we don't do that except by learning and obeying the things God told us to do. That's not a difficult concept, is it? When you, I mean, just very simply, the Scriptures teach us how to, how to pursue that. Okay, so to hunger and thirst after righteousness is, an in, if you were to put that in your own words, wouldn't you say that this suggests an intense craving to be right with God. I mean, this is not rocket science, is it? Pretty straightforward. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you have a deep, intense craving to be right with God. 
I like to watch the old westerns. I don't know how many of you still do that. A lot of us grew up on the westerns. I'm not talking about the new westerns. I'm talking about the old-timey westerns. And you know what? As you watch those old westerns, one of the one of the very frequently recurring things in an old western is they got across the desert. They got in the old westerns. They got across the desert. There's no water there, and so they know it's going to be rough, and they strike out. How often, though, in those westerns do the, the, the water barrel or the canteen get a leak in them and they go to get a drink and they're out of water? <laughs> no water. Like that happens over and over again in those old westerns. Well, you know what happens? when? So now they're thirsty. They're dying of thirst. They're going to die if they don't get water. And as that, as that storyline progresses in those old westerns, nothing else matters. i got to get to water. i got to have water. And so... They start shedding things that they're taking with them, you know. Uh, the horse dies. Uh, leave behind the saddle and the horse. And keep going. You've got to get to water. Uh, throw away your guns. You don't need to be carrying your weapons. If you don't get to water, it won't matter whether you've got a gun or not. You've got to get to water, you know. Pretty soon when they finally get to the water hole, if there's still water there, they got nothing left but the clothes on their back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. You've got to get to that water, right? I don't think any of us have ever known that kind of thirsting. The, the very fear of dying if you don't get to some water. That's the kind of thirsting that Jesus is talking about. An intense craving to be right with God. I wonder if that's a lot of our problem. That we don't often have that intensity of desire to be right with God. We remember verses like Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Seek first, seek ye first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's got to be first. That's got to be top priority. And if I think in the sense of, I'm going to die if I don't get that. I'm going to, it's like, I'm going to, in the desert, dying of thirst. If I have that kind of intensity for craving the righteousness of God, I'm going to tell you, it's going to have some very practical applications in my daily life. So it comes to worship. It's time for worship. It's Sunday. It's Sunday morning. It's Sunday night. Or maybe it's Bible class on Wednesday night. I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't, I, you know, I'm kind of tired. Uh, there's some other things I, I'd rather do. To... Wait a minute. If I felt like I was dying of thirst in the desert, there wouldn't be anything else that I even think about doing besides going to the water hole, right? If I'm dying of thirst for the righteousness of God and I have an opportunity to be together in worship or Bible study, I wouldn't even think about doing something else. You see that? Again, I, what I'm pointing out is what I'm afraid is we don't have that intensity of desire to be right with God. If I have an intense craving like a dying man starving to death or dying of thirst, if I have that intensity of desire to be right with God, I won't let anything else come between me and pursuing every opportunity to worship, to study, to learn, to be encouraged by my brethren. Attendance won't be a problem among those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Do you see that? Now, that's just one example. You can apply this concept to a whole lot of other things. What about Bible study? 
I won't see Bible study, you know, reading my scriptures, meditating on the Word of God, seeking out the truth. I won't, I won't view that as a dreaded necessity. I'll be craving that. When it comes to prayer and praying fervently and regularly, I won't see it as a, just an obligation I gotta do each day. I'm gonna see it as something that I need, desperately need, like water to live by. When it comes to living moral lives, you know. It won't be that I'm trying to, I'm trying to push the envelope, you know. I want to, I want to see how close to immodest thoughts and action and dress and words. I want to see how close to the world I can get. Not if I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I'm not going to go there. There won't be anything that matters more than being right with God. And so I desire so strongly to be right with God. There won't be any question about modest dress. I'm going to be well in the realm of modest dress. There won't be any question about the kind of things I do, the kind of things I look at in the movies or on TV or in the Internet. If I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness, nothing else is going to get in the way of pursuing that. I'm going to seek first God's righteousness. You see that? Okay. So, real simply... Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Righteousness, be right with God. I'm hungering and thirsting. I'm deeply craving, intensely craving to be right with God. Well, in each of these lessons, we've asked, okay, what are some suggestions, just some simple suggestions, how I, how I develop that characteristic or attitude in my life? What are some things that will help me think and act that way? Well, first of all, uh, obviously we've got to realize that we have a tremendous need. We're starving. We're dying of thirst. Um, and again, I think the, the real problem is we don't often see ourselves that way because we live in such a time of plenty. But Jesus said in Matthew, or Mark chapter 8 rather, Mark chapter 8 verse 36 beginning, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see that, right? You, you see that there's nothing else that could be traded off. There's nothing of any value. The whole world's wealth is not a fair trade-off for my soul. And so I have a great, great need, uh, and, and it's for the single thing that's more valuable than anything else. It's for my soul. There's nothing I can give in exchange for my soul. Nothing compares. And so I need to see it that way. I, I need to... I need to see this great need for the most important thing of all, my soul. Realize your tremendous need and then acknowledge that the Lord is the only source of help. So I have the need. I have this need for righteousness. Where can I find it? Only through the Lord. In Revelation 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is of thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. If you really feel that you are athirst, then come, 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 he says, come. You're invited. You have a need, and here's the source that will fulfill that need. Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Where do you go to get help? If you're in the desert and you don't have water, you go to the water hole. If you're spiritually thirsting after righteousness, you go to the Lord, and He is that source. What's the promise? The promise is they shall be filled. 
That's the promised result. So if you understand this need, and if you seek to fulfill it through the Lord, then the result is you will be filled. If you have this intense desire to be right with God, it's possible. It's doable. It can be achieved. You can be filled. You can attain to a righteous standing with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing if you stop and think about it. Because we're certainly not worthy individuals. Uh, nothing of our own value or merit would justify God viewing us in a right relationship with Him. But it can be done. Through the Lord, it can be done. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. It's attainable. To be right with God is possible. You can be filled. That's all that matters. When you boil it all down, there's nothing else that matters compared to being right with God. You need to have that strong, intense craving for that. And if you'll pursue it, it can be satisfied. What about you this morning? Are you in a right relationship with God? That's what righteousness is. Are you right with God? If not, you need to take the steps that will bring you to that. It's revealed in His truth. We're not going to devise that in our own scheme. It's not going to be our own plan. But God has a plan for us to be right with Him. For those who are not yet Christians, that plan means hearing the truth and believing it, repenting of sins, confessing faith in Jesus, being baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. We'd be glad to study with you to help you make that decision. Just say a word. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been living in that sense of strongly, deeply craving to be right with God, and because you haven't had that deep craving and you haven't been living that way, you've let yourself get into some things you shouldn't be into, doing, thinking, acting in ways that you should not. Come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.